Well, good morning once again. Um, I want to thank you for joining. You don't have to applaud me for saying good morning. <laughs> but thank you. I appreciate the support. Um, I want to thank you for joining us today at Joliet First. Pastor Brad and his family are enjoying some much-deserved vacation time at an undisclosed beach. And so I have been given the privilege of bringing you today's message. Um, I'm really so excited for the opportunity to share God's word with you today. Um, but before I do that, I want to tell you a little bit about our church in case this is your first time here. At Joliet First, we are becoming a community of hope. And as a community of hope, we are striving to be the edges to our community of Joliet. In Leviticus, God commanded the Israelite farmers not to reap the edges of their fields, but to leave them for the poor, the widows, and the orphans. And so we at Joliet First want to be the edges to our community by seeking God with our whole hearts, investing our time, talents, and gifts into his kingdom, restoring people back to the original image of who God created them to be, and sending our people out into our communities and beyond to carry that image to a lost and broken world. So that's our, that's Joliet first, in a nutshell. So today, as we always do, I wanted to start off by asking you a few questions. Have you ever wished that you were more like someone else? <laughs> Thank you for your honesty. Has there ever been a person, or maybe even more than one person, whose talents and abilities you really wished that you had? For instance, I often, often wish that I could be like my friend Meg, who has the gift of organization. She is the most organized person I have ever met. She knows where every penny of our, of our MOPS money has gone. She knows... She knows exactly what codes to fill out on the forms that we need for reimbursement. She, she knows her kids' schedules within, you know, a tenth of a second. She, she's just so organized, and I, I wish that I could be more like her. Or I want to be like my friend Laura, who some of you may know, who has a gift for drama and acting and she's able to laugh at herself. I know that my husband wishes that he had my great gifts of good grammar and spelling. I think, I think that he also secretly wishes that he had my good taste in baseball teams. Have you ever wondered, would anyone even notice if I weren't here anymore? Or have you ever looked at someone and thought, okay, that person is just odd? Well, <laughs> the Apostle Paul has something to say to each of us today. But before we get into that, would you please, please pray with me right now? Heavenly Father, we want to thank you once again for the privilege of being able to gather in your house this morning. I ask that your spirit would speak to me through me. Give us minds and hearts and ears that are open to listen to what you have to say to your church today. 
and we'll give you all the honor and glory and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. So today's passage is from a letter that Paul wrote to the church in the city of Corinth. Corinth was the largest city in Greece, and Paul had actually planted the church there during one of his missionary journeys. Paul had heard about some problems in the church at Corinth and so wrote them a letter to deal with some of the issues they were experiencing. One of the issues that he had to address was spiritual gifts. Some of the members in the Corinthian church believed that the particular gift that they possessed was better than the gifts of others. And so they became prideful and were looking down on others in the church who had different gifts. So Paul responded by writing these words in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Would you please stand as we read the word together this morning? The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Thank you. Now, I know that many of you have heard the words of this passage before and are even now preparing to tune me out. But I hope that you will listen and hear some new things today as I unpack this a little bit for you. Or maybe you need to hear something that you think you already know again that Paul uses the image of the body in this passage is significant. God created humanity in his image, and when sin entered the world, that image became corrupted and tarnished. 
Christ, through his death on the cross and then his resurrection, made a way for humanity to be restored back to the original image that God intended us to be. Therefore, the church, as we worship and serve God together, is the vehicle that God intends to use to reflect his image back to the world. Did you hear that? The church, as we worship and serve God together, is the vehicle that God intends to use to reflect his image back to the world. You cannot be a Christian without being part of the church. Paul also knew that the Corinthian people were used to hearing the illustration of the body to describe the workings of social and political life at the time. Paul wanted the people then and us today to realize that when we choose to follow Christ, we become part of a new community that works differently from the world around us. The head of our community is not any earthly kingdom, government, or other authority. The head of our community is Jesus Christ. We become part of a community where the same spirit who speaks to me speaks to each one of you. This means that there are no social classes in the church. We are all equal, whether we are as rich as Jeff Bezos. How many of you have heard of Jeff Bezos? Oh, Darren, thank you. Oh, and Weston. And my husband. Okay, okay, now I'm getting more hands. I see that hand. Okay, thank you. Okay, for those of you who are not familiar with Jeff Bezos, he is the founder of Amazon. And for a few minutes this week, he was the richest person in the world. He overtook Bill Gates for literally like a couple hours as the richest person in the world. Now, poor guy, he's only the second richest person in the world. I know, it's very, very sad for him. So we are all equal, whether we are as rich as Jeff Bezos or if we only have $1 in our checking account. A really important word to pay attention to in this passage is the word part. The Greek word that Paul used here is actually the word member. When we refer to being a member of a church, the idea to use the word member came from this passage. Unfortunately, over the years, our understanding of membership in a church has become diluted to just mean a group of people who belong and kind of get together on occasion. When Paul uses the word member in this passage, he was using it as we would use the word limb or organ. Listen to a few of these verses again. For even as the body is one and yet has many organs, and all the organs of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. For the body is not one organ, but many. But now God has placed the organs, each one of them, in the body, just as he desired. If they were all one organ, where would the body be? But now... There are many organs, but one body. Kind of puts a whole different spin on it, doesn't it? So here's my first point that I really want you to grasp and hold on to today. Every organ in the body is vital 
to the function of the body. In other words, every member of the church, every member of the church is vital to the function of the church. Quite frankly, there are many parts of this passage that have always cracked me up. Do you ever stop and imagine the ear actually saying, why didn't God make me an eye? Well, because he didn't, I'm not part of the body anymore. Paul then says, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And this is where I hope some of you have minds that work like mine. I, I just picture in my head this giant eye floating around. <laughs> without it. It's kind of a hideous thought, really, but that's how my brain works. <sighs> the point being made here, obviously, is that the body cannot function with only one part. The church cannot function with only one type of person in it. For instance, a church where the people believe that only the pastor is called to minister to others isn't going to survive. I know that this will probably come as a shock to many of you, but the pastor can't do everything in the church. I hear gasps of shock. This church right here has three pastors. And even the three of us cannot meet every need that exists in the church. In fact, if only the pastors did things in the church, there would be a lot of things that would never get done. God has given each member of this body gifts that the whole body needs in order for us to effectively reach our community with the hope and restoration that Jesus brings. Every organ is important to the body, and in order for our bodies to function to their full potential, we need all of our organs. Now, I'm kind of a curious person, so I decided to look up, you know, thank goodness for Google, I decided to look up on the internet various, you know, parts of our body to find out if we really actually need them. For instance, have you ever looked down at your foot and looked at the things on the end of your foot and said to yourself, why did God put these on my body? Let's face it, most toes are just not very attractive. Now, we, we women often like to dress up our toes, but for most of us, that really doesn't make that much of a difference, even though we like to think that it does. So, do we really need toes? The answer is yes. We absolutely need our toes. God designed our foot to work in a certain way when we walk. Most of us, when we walk, we take a step, we put our heel down first, and then our foot rocks forward. There is a tendon that runs along the bottom of our foot called the plantar fascia that is kind of loose like a floppy rubber band when you put your heel down, when your heel meets the ground. Making that tendon tight is what allows our heel to come off the ground and prepare for the next step. So what allows that tendon to become tight and provides the energy to lift our foot and move forward? You guessed it, the toes. If we didn't have our toes, we would not be able to walk the way that we do. Our toes also help us to balance, and they help, well, some of us to run faster. Some of us don't run. Could we survive and go on living without our toes? Yes. But our body wouldn't function as efficiently as God designed it to. 
Now, here's another one for you, your appendix. Okay? I was going to put in a, pen, a picture of an appendix for you, but I couldn't find one that wouldn't gross you out, so you're welcome. Have you ever heard about someone's appendix without it being in the context of someone having it surgically removed because it got infected? Why would God put something in our body that could just be removed when it causes trouble? Do we really need to have an appendix? Even doctors and scientists have wondered this. I think that's hilarious. Doctors and scientists can't even figure out if we actually need an appendix. Well, guess what? In the last 10 years or so, scientists have discovered that the appendix actually has a job in the body. The appendix holds the good bacteria that our digestive system needs in order to be healthy and function properly. Scientists have actually begun to believe that the appendix is a secondary immune system organ. In other words, it helps to keep it helps us to fight off disease and infection. So do we need our appendix? Yes. Again, we can live without an appendix, clearly, because I'm sure there are some of you here who are living without your appendices. Um, <laughs> we can live without an appendix, but our body can't function as effectively as God intended without one. So I'm sure now you're asking, why did you just spend all that time telling me about my toes and my appendix? Thank you for asking. <laughs> Verse 18 says, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. In other words, every member of the body is important. We cannot say, because I am not Kathy Janchek, I am no longer a part of the body. Or, because I am Jeannie Markland, I am not a part of the body. Trust me, if everyone in this church was Jeannie Markland, we would be in some serious trouble and we wouldn't survive for long. We need diversity and different parts in the body. I want you to look around and start appreciating the many parts of the body. Now, let me talk to those of you who may perhaps feel like you are the appendix or one of the toes of the church, and you wonder if anyone would notice if you were no longer here. I want you to know that you are important to the church. God has given you a gift that he wants you to use in this body that will help us reach our community. God sees you and he knows your important function in the body, even if no one else does. You may not always get noticed or thanked and appreciated for what you do, and believe me, I know how nice it is to be appreciated. But the organs in our body keep functioning and working, whether we notice and thank them or not. Can you imagine if one morning you woke up, say tomorrow morning you woke up, and your heart said, you know, I've been doing all of this work for so long, and you have never said thank you. So just for that, I'm going to stop working until I start getting a little appreciation. <laughs> thank goodness our bodies don't work that way. Does this mean that we don't appreciate what our heart does for, every day, uh, for us every day by continuing to pump the blood around our body? Of course not. But sometimes as humans, we do forget to say thank you. 
So let me encourage all of you to pay attention and notice the diversity in the body. If you know someone that does something that keeps this church running smoothly, but they don't often get recognition for it, take the time to thank them for what they do. Now, this may also be the point where some of you have started to argue with me in your head saying, okay, this is all well and good, but I can't sing. God hasn't called me to preach or be a pastor. I don't know how to make coffee. I don't have a car, so I can't pick people up. I can't get around as well as I used to. Guess what? If you are still breathing and have a pulse, God has a way to use you in the body. God has given each of us gifts that are unique, and he has placed us in this body of believers. Please stop looking at others and wishing that God had given you different gifts. God didn't give us these gifts to make us feel good. He gave us these gifts to be a gift to the entire church through us. Let me say that again. The gift that God has given you is intended to be his gift to the entire church through you. Now, I want to tell you about Mrs. Wilder. Mrs. Wilder was the mother of one of our missionary doctors in Pakistan. In fact, sweet mama, sweet mama, that was what her daughter always called her, became ill, and Dr. Mary actually had to leave Pakistan and return to the States to take care of her. Toward the end of her life, Mrs. Wilder wasn't able to do much beyond sitting in a chair. She would spend most of her days sitting in a chair either in the kitchen or in the living room. What would she do every day while she sat in her chair? She would have a Bible open in her lap or on a table and a notebook with names written in it, and she would pray. If she met someone one time, their name was written in her notebook, and she would pray for them every day. My name was in her notebook. My parents' and sisters' names were in her notebook. Every missionary who her daughter had worked with had their names written in that notebook. Mrs. Wilder would pray from the time that she got up in the morning until she went to bed at night. She never complained. She praised God for the opportunity to be used in such a way. She was a fully functioning organ of the body until the day she died. Mrs. Wilder passed away several years ago, and I remember thinking when she died, who is going to pick up the torch and pray now? So why am I telling you about Mrs. Wilder? Because you may not think that you have anything to contribute to the body, but you do. Every single one of us can pray. We need you to pray. We have been called to pray. God works through the prayers of his people. We need you to pray for our pastors and their families. We need you to pray for our church. We need you to pray for our community. We need you to pray for the lost and the dying and the broken. We need people in this body who are committed to prayer. God is not going to move in our church or our community if we aren't praying. 
So here's, here now is the other point that I really want you to grasp this morning. All the members of the body should have equal concern for each other. Listen to verses 24 through 26 again. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. So the church in Corinth, as I mentioned before, had a problem that leaked into the church from the society around it. Roman society viewed jobs as having different levels levels of status. In other words, there were jobs that were higher profile, more honorable, or more dignified, that were more deserving of higher status. Then there were the jobs that were not dignified, more dishonorable, and were fit for a lower class person to do. These jobs were considered dispensable, and unfortunately then, so were the people who did them. This problem had crept into the church, and some members believed that their gifts were more important than those given to others. They were treating those with lesser gifts as lesser members of the body. Unfortunately, in some ways, our society hasn't really changed much, has it? However, the body of Christ should be different. God has put the church together so that there are no members who should be given more honor than any other members. If the Queen of England walked through our doors, now that might be shocking, but if the Queen of England walked through our doors and became a member of this church, she would have no more status in the body of Christ than a homeless person who comes through our doors. We are all equal in the body of Christ. Because of this, we can see the beauty in our diversity. We can see the beauty of people who think differently than us and perhaps may do something a different way than we would do it. When the parts of the body have equal concern for each other, it means that when one part of the body is suffering, the whole body suffers with it. How many of you have ever stubbed your toe? Have you ever wondered how it is possible from the, that the pain from that one little part can affect your body so much? When I stub my toe, the pain shoots through my entire body. It doesn't seem to matter what the size of the body part is that is injured. It, infect, it affects, excuse me, it affects the entire body. The suffering of one member of our church body affects our entire church body. In the same way that we might use our hands to bandage an injured toe, we need to come alongside those in our church body who are suffering and provide comfort and support. Some of you may know that back in the spring of this year, I was sick. In fact, I was so sick that most days, all I was able to do was lay on the couch and sleep and occasionally read. This went on for two months. I could barely summon the strength to take my kids to school in the morning. In fact, there were many evenings that I sent them upstairs and told them to put themselves to bed because I just couldn't do it. I could not summon the strength to get off the couch. I was suffering. My family was suffering. My husband was suffering. 
the body of Christ stepped in. People brought us meals. One of the days when my kids had an early dismissal from school, someone came and met us in our driveway when I picked them up from school and took them out of my car, put them in her car, and took them home with her for the rest of the day. Another friend knew that I liked Dunkin' Donuts hot chocolate, so she went and picked some up and left it at my front door for me. Someone wasn't able to cook us a meal, so she sent us gift cards for some local restaurants. Another person offered to do my grocery shopping. This is the beauty of the church. Some of these people didn't even go to this church, but they're members of the wider body of Christ. And... None of these people asked what they could do. They just saw a need, and they stepped in and did it. And I should also point out that none of these people were pastors. They are equal members of the body of Christ. Now, of course, suffering is not just sickness. It could be the loss of a family member or friend, the loss of a job, raising a difficult child. Believe me, that can cause some suffering. The beauty of the body of Christ is that as we comfort the suffering members among us, we reflect his image to a hurting world. As we comfort the suffering members among us, we reflect his image to a hurting world. If you know that someone is suffering in some way, don't sit back and say, well, it's the pastor's job to take care of that. No. We are all equal members of the body of Christ. So when you hear that someone has lost a loved one, go and sit with them and cry with them. You don't have to know what to say. You don't have to say anything. Just suffer with them. When you notice that someone isn't in church, don't call the church office and ask where that person is. Give that person a call yourself and let them know that they were missed. Then, if something is going on in that person's life that the pastoral staff should know, then by all means, please call the church office and let us know about it. If you hear that someone is in the hospital, go and visit them. You don't have to be a pastor to visit somebody who's sick. You are the body of Christ.